We talk games, achievements, and shout out our listeners. This is Achievement Hunting 101. Offer valid only in participating locations, which in this case means all locations, not to be combined with any other. Hello and welcome to Achievement Hunting 101, the podcast that, when you're upset, just like your Xbox, we console you. I'm Volker Latin, also known as Devin. Uh, with us today, uh, we have Rocker Dude. Hello, I'm Rocker Dude, also known as Corey. Corey. Uh, I don't know. We're not that... Sorry, I, I didn't know we were on first name basis. I was just you. mimicking uh, you. Superhero uh, names. Superhero uh, names. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm Captain yeah. Fatbelly. Uh, we have L, otherwise known as Big Al. Otherwise known as L. <laughs> well, by himself, known as Big L. Yes, but I like bagels. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. I think it's called a bagel. Majutalian. That it's called a pizza bagel. Hey, oh, and then Kushmits, uh, <laughs> also known as Nate. Yeah. Now that we've revealed our secret identities, uh, Corey, what have you been playing? Well, so this past week, I actually completed two games, uh, and they were not zero to one hour completions. Uh, just a quick shout out to J Black, Kronos, and Prue. We beat Borderlands 3 yet again. There should be one more DLC in the works soon. Uh, but yeah, so for right now, that game is completed. So just quick shout outs to them. The other game that I played and completed was man eater talked about it last week on the show a little bit hopefully if you check your show notes there will be a youtube uh full review of this game uh but just quickly i really enjoyed it it is my runner for game of the year as of right now and it it kind of changed my it changed me it it touched something deep inside me that i didn't know was there and I'm kind of just like wanting to play um. good games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was like, tell me on the doll where the shark touched you. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this game is uh, is like 10 to 12 hours on TA. I beat it in 12 hours, 15 minutes, 100% completion. And I really had a good time with it. So what it made me want to do was not play crap. And so I did this little thing on TA and I, looked at all the Xbox games. I sorted by uh, number of stars to get a good rating. And from there, I looked at things that were no more than like 15 hours for the completion. Um, I didn't like take into a, a account like 15 hours for the story or anything like that. So like I just took TA's recommendation. So some of these I understand are probably not even 15 hours like the one I picked, which was... Batman Arkham Asylum. So I, oh, I finally oh. jumped into the series. Now there's a couple factors into my choice. One, uh, I own the game. Two, it's a Metroidvania. And three, it just so happened I did my homework. It happens to be the first in the series. So it seemed like a good jumping in point. I am having fun with it. I'm one one thing to note about it is I, I did pull up the walkthrough. It's a fairly good walkthrough in terms of if you want to enjoy the game. That points out the missables and then it t- 
tells you the story when you're going to get along the way. The good part is that when I looked at it, the missable was up front and at the and at the back end. So I'm really just kind of playing this game at my own pace. At my, I'm trying to figure it out on myself. So that's been another good part about it. Same thing I did with Man Eater. There's, I didn't really look up anything about it other than maybe some tips or anything like that. So so yeah, Arkham Asylum. So far, so good. I'm at like 30% completion on the save file. I don't know what that means in terms of story. I would guess I've put in three hours, maybe three or four. A piece of advice I always had, my buddy always was like, if Batman's lost, just look up. The Arkham games love to just put things up. If you're like never <laughs> stuck, you just look up and there's a grate or something that you need to grapple up to. I love the Arkham games. Yeah, I've, I have played Arkham Knight, but Arkham Asylum, and I haven't beat Arkham Knight. It seems like it's stupid long. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, Arkham Asylum is flowing well. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go into, what's the next one, Origin? Arkham City. City. Arkham City is the best one. Okay, so I should go into it. Start to do Calendar Man. Come on, man. Calendar Man. Yeah. Twelve times you talk to him. Twelve times. One year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel after Arkham Asylum, but I'm really digging right now the this like no more than 15-hour game that I can just sit down and I can play, and it's actually a good game. So we'll see how long that lasts. And you started on hard difficulty, you said? Yes. In the Discord? Yeah, it said that if you wanted to avoid multiple playthroughs, just play on hard. And how's okay. that going? And you're going to do all the combat stealth challenges then. Uh, aren't challenges separated or are they on the same difficulty? Well, you, you got to do them all, as I was saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I've only done story stuff. I haven't done like challenges or what's the other thing? I think there's another two things. Combat. Yeah, I think. Combat stuff. I think the big tip I've heard is to not button mash, just roll and dodge and block to keep the combo going. I've yeah. yet to do those games either. I've started them multiple times and just never stuck with them. That 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 is one thing that I've, I've noticed. Like I've played Rise and I've, played a little bit of Arkham Knight, so I kind of get the combat somewhat, but I do end up button mashing, and it will kill you. Uh, and on hard <laughs> difficulty, I think one of the differences is it doesn't tell you when to counter. Right, um, yes. So I, I am getting a little bit better with that, although I've, I've, come across, I've come across this method where you like hit and you jump over them, and you hit and you jump over them. You just keep doing that. That seems to be working. Uh, I've done that a little bit. I have some questions. Please go if ahead. If I could circle back to Borderlands Three, uh, what do the new DLCs contain? Are they story related? Or are they um, yeah what are yeah the achievements they're, like? They're all story related, and pretty much um, they all have anywhere from like I don't know th- four to six ish uh, storyline achievements that are generally secret. There are achievements for getting like uh, several different collectibles and then there's usually one for completing all the missions and getting all the collectibles and in this last one at least i can't remember the other two on the third one you have to do all the side quests too i know we didn't do all the side quests for at least one of the other dlcs but this one you have to do all side quests so pretty much do every quest and get every collectible on the map and you're gonna have probably all the achievements in this one the second one did have you do some miscellaneous stuff where you had to go and talk to a fish like 25 times. And he, you had to talk to him on a new load. So you had to keep reloading at the same area. Um, 
but other than that, it's pretty straightforward. Do you go fishing? No, you talk to a fish on a wall and he tells a joke. <laughs> What's the fish named Wanda? I think yeah, that was, was in the Wanda? joke. It's like uh, Billy Bass, right? Kind, kind of, mouth? kind of, yeah. Billy but Bass? but the the problem is, you have to talk to him twenty five times. He doesn't have twenty five jokes. <laughs> it's like talking to Prue in chat, right? Like he'll say the same couple things over and over, and then like eventually you just like, all right, Prue, I'll talk to Kenny. That's how bad you are, Prue. No, Prue's wonderful. He's a delight. Oh, he is? Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We, we enjoy our Friday nights. Is Borderlands fun? It is fun, yeah. And it helps when you have a modded gun, too. Ah. Uh, now, we have to go back to Minecraft Dungeons, though. I don't know how I feel about uh, that. Uh, <laughs> oh, Minecraft Dungeons. I remember that. I, I had a co-op. Got a co-op partner for that. Yeah. And he just stopped Me too. doing stuff. <laughs> Jerk, sounds like. Thanks. Death Not dealers. Not going to name any names. <laughs> Rhymes with breath reelers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that that's my big revelation is I'm, I'm into these better games. So if you have any suggestions, no more than like 15 hours, throw them at me. Uh, currently on deck is is Bee Simulator. <laughs> one, one game you didn't mention in the Batman series was Blackgate. Is there a reason you're not... Looking at Blackgate. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> there is. <clears throat> there's not. Origins? There's not a. No, not that one. I know which one he's talking the 360 about. The 360 one. He's specifically talking about a, a non 1000 pointer. Um, I mean, no reason. <laughs> I, I do want to play it, but. It's good. It's like 20 bucks. Well, yeah. It's. I played it on PC. The Blackgate is. Uh, I don't think it's worth 20 bucks in 400 gamer square. And I don't think it ever goes on sale. No. Well, it's a 360 game that stopped going on sale a long time ago. That ship sailed. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's also not backwards compatible. So, like, there's a lot of hurdles to, to get to that one. <laughs> it's good, though. It's good. It's good, yeah. I wish I could dive it. Speaking of diving, <laughs> I, I saw you go on a dive. Yes. So, last week I had talked a little bit about my bean dive uh, strategy or my plans for participating but not competing um what i wanted to do was just play um a bunch of games in my install list that, that had floated near the top because uh, it is voluminous um and i said i want to i want to try these they're ideally they're shorter games they're ones i can complete they're ones that look like they were a little bit fun uh so i actually went ahead and i played uh, uh one of them to completion was sally's law now this is a game, and it is um, it's a puzzle platformer. I think I haven't seen what TA calls it. it. Took me about two to three hours. It's a bad. It's about a relationship between a dad and a daughter. And uh, when I first started to watch it, I was like, "Oh no, oh no, I'm gonna get the feels." Um, but then the game, um, the way it plays, there's Japanese audio behind English subtitles. Um, and the, then the story is just, it kind of meanders and it doesn't really go anywhere and it doesn't really circle back the way you want. It's just, the story's not great. Uh, it's really about just platforming. Um, it's about five levels long with, uh, six chapters per level. Uh, and you play each chapter twice. So did they ever say what Sally's law is? Is it? Like no, Sally and that's cannot. the thing. I don't really know why it's Sally's law. She's not a lawyer. She's <laughs> she's going. She's moving to the city. She wants to be a writer, or a, I think she wants to work at a, a news 
uh, company or news newspaper company or something like that. She must be a journalist. But uh, nowhere do I understand what the the law is. Maybe maybe Sally's law is that she hates her father and she wants to do whatever she wants to do. Uh, she wants to grow up. Uh, so the story is kind of garbage, um, and it kind of I don't really follow it. Um, and that you know, that's when I was reading it in English, so I'm not really sure what's going on with that. If it's cultural or it's I don't know. It plays kind of like a sometimes you game, sometimes you puzzler. Uh, every every chapter you go through, you play it twice. Uh, the first time you play it is Sally, and she's just kind of walking along uh, from left to right. You have no control over uh, her movement uh, from left to right, but you can jump. So, and, and then every now and then in some levels, there'll be things like bumpers and the bumpers will change your direction. There'll be uh, bounce pads, which will bounce you up to get you over certain ledges. And, and you're just trying to make difficult jumps. You're trying not to run into walls, but the walls for some reason lift when you get near them. And then things like thorns and gates, uh, when you get close to them, they kind of disappear. After you finish her five or six uh, levels, in um you know four or five screens per level um you then play that exact same four or five screens as her father and you're either running in a track above her or below her sometimes you'll kind of cross paths with where she is but you're kind of like a ghost track uh, as you're going through he's not dead but <laughs> for whatever reason you're doing that and i guess it's symbolic of I don't know. He makes her life easier. I don't know. So you're going through and you're doing things like stepping on switches to open doors or you're holding switches to hold doors open or you're crashing down the gates or the uh, thorns that are in her way. And every now and then uh, when your father crosses paths with Sally and they kind of intersect, he jumps really high. Now he can't jump. He can just move left to right. Uh, and then if he bumps into her, he jumps. So you kind of have to uh, play over top of what you did previously and maybe have Sally jump in particular places. If you want to get to a collectible, that's too high to get to off of a normal bounce, but you can get to if she's already jumping. Um, so it's not bad. Uh, and if you do have to redo a, a level, it's not horrible. It's, you know, it's another five minutes out of your life, uh, that you're going and doing, um, then you get to the point where you need to do the two player levels. And uh, basically you're, you're getting achievements as you go, as you progress from zone to zone to zone. As soon as you complete a zone, you get an achievement. Well, then you have to go back and get all the collectibles uh, to get the costumes and things like that. And uh, when you go to do that, you have to do the two player mode. Luckily, thankfully for the two player mode, you have to play two or maybe six levels per zone. So it's not as bad but they get kind of annoying towards the end. Uh, that's where they start to get more tricky. The game actually is more difficult than I, I would have expected it to be at times. For the most part, it's, it's repetitive. It's not difficult. But then when it gets hard or it gets um, hard, you know, difficult, it's mostly because you're finagling two controllers. And, and you have to... It's a little bit too sensitive when you're close to some of these walls and... But uh, so it's a little frustrating, but for the most part, it wasn't so bad. Um, it's, if it's cheap enough, I say go ahead and try it. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I'm not disappointed. I know as I'm talking about it more, I'm kind of like, oh, geez, man, this wasn't great. But <laughs> it definitely wasn't great, but it was it was OK. I'm watching a video of it. And one, it, it looks slow. So definitely yes. not like fast paced. But two, I guess I'm, I'm watching a co-op one. So I'm, I'm assuming he's doing it with two controllers or two people or one person. I don't know. But if that's one person, like some of that is just brain racking. 
Yeah. Um, there are some levels, you're probably watching one of the levels where they go back and forth a bunch of times kind of over over the same path. Well, just um, like you were talking about, like uh, the, the bottom circle thing was jumping and it had to move over to a ledge and the top one was trying to get a collectible that was too high. So he was doing this like double bounce thing on yes. the thing below and it was over there, like a, a ledge and uh, a pit and I just like, no, there aren't too many instances of that. There are a couple jumps or a couple positions or a couple collectibles, like three or four that are maybe really frustrating. But other than that, the rest of the game is, is, um, slow. Uh, I don't want to say boring, but slow. Uh, it's not a fast paced game. You're not going to be uh, worried about your Twitch skills. Um, but yeah, it wasn't bad. I, the, if the story was better, I was prepared to have feelings and I had no feelings about the story. <laughs> did, uh, maybe you said it and I missed it, but did you stay within the time constraints of two to three hours? Like TA says, uh, probably close to. Yeah. 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 Okay. I didn't time it, but that's about what it felt like. I got it done in basically one night. So, you know, my playtime, that's about two to three hours. So yeah. One night's not, not bad for a game. Yeah. You uh, perked me up when you said co-op. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry to uh, need to get you all war- I don't know why you that. would use two controllers by yourself when you can get someone to carry with uh, you. I mean, uh, someone to play with you, Koosh. Yes. Well, that's there. There you have it. I see five co-op achievements. Collect costumes of Chapter One by co-op. Love it. Love the translation. I, don't know, I might check it out if it goes on sale. Uh, L, uh, what say you? Have you played any games? Uh, I I know the answer to this, but the script, you see. <laughs> so. You're cheating. You read from a card, Trebek. All right. Um, I've had... We'll fight you. <laughs> S-words. <laughs> All right. Somebody figured out what I was talking about. Well, the first thing I wanted to mention was uh, Sims 4 had a free play weekend. And uh, I've heard that... Did you horribly cheat? I planned on horribly cheating, and I had Devin over here, and I had Prue saying, so, you won't do Surviving Mars, but you'll do Sims 4 over here where you just load up stuff and the achievements pop without you doing anything. And I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, nah, no, maybe. So I'm like, all right, let me try the game legit first. And then what happens? My kids see me playing the game, and they wind up playing the game. <laughs> So I've yet to actually play the game. <laughs> and now it's uh, Monday. I guess I have to either buy this game for $10. It's on my tag now or get a month of EA access at some point, right? That's or simple. play it on xCloud. Yeah, or it's on I XLM. don't have Android. Uh, sounds like a personal uh, problem. <laughs> so, just, so just oh, get that's a good right. phone and you'll be fine. Yeah, I guess I could do that. I will say that this game it's on sale this week for nine ninety nine. Yeah, it tends to go on go on sale quite often. I think it was four dollars last week, actually. It was four out of four dollars. I think it was four dollars last week, yeah. But you can get Sims four plus cats and dogs for twenty five dollars. All right, Ayo. that's a deal. Yeah, Prue was saying You're losing money. Prue was saying don't do it. <laughs> Prue was saying his girlfriend got every single one of the DLCs. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Rip his wallet. <laughs> yeah. I will say that this game, I have not even finished it, but it is 
it's not fun to do these loads and save things. Like it's just not. No. I'd rather do Surviving Mars four times over. Yeah. Yeah. The Sims, the the Sims completion, uh, as it is with the the cheese, is so takes so long. Uh, I I bet it would probably take. Uh, about a good hour to do it if the load screens would cooperate but you're spending most of the time looking at loading screens and waiting for things to happen on fast forward before it actually happens all right so maybe you could watch a show or listen to achievement hunting 101 in the background mm-hmm. yeah, you could but there's times where you actually could miss the cue to go to their job and uh... sometimes they're lazy and then if you miss the cue to go to your job you're going to miss the achievement so you actually kind of have to watch it Oh. Yeah, my tech guru did not go to work, and she took the day off playing. I don't know World of Warcraft or something. <laughs> and then, luckily, they didn't notice that she was gone. She must not be a you know a valuable employee. I don't know. But she went the next day, and I still got the achievement, which was nice. Yeah, I don't know how these like, and they all stay relatively happy, which is great because they're living in a bungalow with mm-hmm. only one bed, all Five seven people of them. <laughs> <laughs> in a living room. With someone doing of, karaoke. It's, you know, all, it's it's a murder scene. They're all a bunch of high-powered, like, different people, too. Like, one's a best-selling novelist and everything. And they all, <laughs> it's like the plot of a bad sitcom. Like, he's an award-winning novelist. She's an astronaut. And they're all living in one house. <laughs> <laughs> you need to just narrate everything. Uh, I mean, I could. I mean... I may as well throw this in there now that I thought about it. Uh, when we played golf with friends, he used to narrate all the golf holes. And wouldn't you know it, it was announced today that that's going to be a wind tan stack. Well, that's pretty exciting. Oh, yes. Uh, you two can do a long par four down the uh, abyss of the big kraken. <laughs> and then shoot it and just go buck wild. <laughs> yeah. Practice the golf voice and everything for the PC version. I think it's great. You can use a mouse and keyboard. Very exciting. He's lining up the mouse and keyboard shot. (laughs) Oh, into the water. (laughs) Bust out your Caddyshack references. That sounds good. Yeah. So just The Sims then? Um, Sims 4? Well, um, the other day I made my stream debut playing potata fairy flower i was very excited to play this gem it was a puzzle platformer and you go around collecting a little currency and it was very interesting because you had to save the game using 20 of the currencies so you couldn't just save whenever you wanted to you save every so often using these things and then uh every so often you would come across a a light puzzle and so I got to the first puzzle, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. <laughs> uh, there's uh, someone there you could pay off to teach you how to do it. They give you the answer, and I wound up doing that, that to not try to it keep. Nulls the achievement though, right? The achievement's getting the oh. first one without buying it. I well, thought. you totally. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna get to that. So. Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I was going to get to that. Yeah, I did not know about that until after the fact. I looked at the list, and yes, sure enough, there's an achievement to beat the first puzzle without without using the hint. If someone had told me that during the stream, I might have tried it to do it a little harder. But And of course- It I, was funnier if we didn't. I, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't have done it either. <laughs> I mean, Matrox said that, it, that this was extremely painful, just watching you try to work out a puzzle. Yeah, she, got, she went in the party, tried to tell me what to do, and then she just left out of- uh, <laughs> 
pure <laughs> frustration and left me to, to fail. And then, of course, the second puzzle I found I did on my first try in mere seconds. So it's funny how that worked out. But I played that for about an hour. Wound up with four achievements without looking at the list. It's a nice little game. Probably could stand to be a little bit cheaper. It's 15 bucks, but overall, it's pretty cool. But the big, massive game I wanted to talk to you guys about this week is Devious Dungeon. Man, I touched on it briefly in the past, but uh, I wound up completing the first one. And then I liked it so much, I went right to the second one. And then you're like, more of this, I'm done. <laughs> well, maybe you said that. I still so the, haven't finished the second one. So, the well... The first one's like three to four hours, and the second one says six to eight hours. But it's the type of game where if you're sitting in party, you could just hammer out a level here, a level there. And if you die, you die. You keep all the money. You keep all the experience that you got. Uh, the achievements are basically just for beating the bosses and for getting a certain amount of keys, killing a amount of enemies, and usual. Um, so what exactly is it's the a, It's dungeons. a rogue... Rogue... Dungeon Light? crawler, <laughs> just rogue. Just okay. went off on its own. It's just, just a rogue. It's gone rogue. <laughs> I would not call it a dungeon crawler. Um, a dungeon jumpy, findy things. <laughs> well, what would you call it? Just a roguelite. It's got a roguelite platformer. Okay, I don't know. There's, there's traps and stuff, and you try to run. Uh, you try to kill the enemies, and you get coins and experience, but the most important thing, especially in the second game, is you can find experience books and you jump and you look through walls and you find those. Uh, the game is $8, which for a rat is a little much. And what's weird is the first and second game are both $8, even though the second one is basically double the length. And the second one added uh, three classes. You could be a barbarian, a mage, or a rogue. <laughs> and you want to know what... Uh, the Barbarian uh, has his damage reduced 20%. The Mage levitates. You want to know what the Rogue's special ability is? Pew, pew. Backstabbing? Kush. Goes invisible? Kush. What's the best mm. special ability there is? Um, being invisible? Double oh, jump. Diplomacy. Double jump. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, all you when I think rogue, I think double jump. I think, yeah. Absolutely. I can Why probably do think that. Yeah. So I picked the rogue. I, I took the double jump and it was loads of fun. So the main thing you do is you get coins, you get, uh, and then whenever you die, you go to the shop and you upgrade your weapons and you upgrade your armor and you buy potions and all that stuff. And eventually you work out, you upgrade yourself and you finish the game because you have to complete both of the games to get all uh, all the achievements. So I like that about those games. Uh, the second game added bounty hunting, where you kill mini bosses in the middle, and they added treasure finding. Um, so it was funny, because Stan uh, completed this game right before I did, right before I came on to record. And he's like, oh, this game was miserable. I hated it. I was following the walkthrough, and... I, I wasn't looking for any of the hidden stuff. I just kept looking for the keys and trying to finish. I'm like, no, nah, man, that's not how you play. You got to explore. You got to find the experience books. You got to get the money. You got to upgrade your stuff. And then Death Dealer said, oh, I love this game. You're going to talk about how great this game is, right? And I said, Abs actually, yes, I really enjoyed this game. So 
I know I'm talking a lot about these games, but I really enjoy them, and I hope you guys check it out. They were, they were the first uh, quote-unquote easy Radalika games on the Xbox. The one more dungeon we don't talk about. Uh, Devious Dungeon 1 and 2 were the first proper ones. I believe they were ports from the PS Vita. And, yeah, I recommend them. Well, I'm not going to... Uh, I guess it's my turn then. I'll uh, talk about it. That's a transition, by the way. I, I, it was smooth as heck. You can comment on how smooth that was. Um, Devin, what did you play this week? Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I did some diving. Uh, if you were there on Tuesday, I dive a whole bunch of games. Uh, but the one that stood out to me was PC Building Simulator. Ooh. I don't know if any of you ever have decided to build PCs. Uh, in a simulator fashion. I was really impressed with how many people in the stream were commenting on this game and trying to help you out. I was like, all right, no one's going to stay to watch this. No, everyone stayed and watched you play PC Building Simulator. It was actually pretty cool. Yeah, it is uh, surprisingly chill. Yeah, so um, there's a couple different modes. There's a free play mode where they just give you everything and like, here you go, build some PCs. Uh, I was playing the career mode where you take over for your uncle who was a terrible businessman and it's like, oh yeah, um... I guess you own this business now. Um, the rent's due on Friday. Here's some computers. Bye. And that's what you do. You build and re- refurbish computers um, and, you know, work on them. I was blowing out dust and installing antivirus and installing RAM and buying the wrong kind of RAM and getting <laughs> frustrated that I can't figure out which RAM it takes. That's funny because that kind of relates. I'm looking at your achievements versus mine. You have... Um, one less achievement, but one more percent completed of the game than I do. Uh, and I can see the differences. I, I banked a thousand dollars. I completed 10 jobs. You went $3,000 in debt and you skipped seven days of work <laughs> in a row. <laughs> such a bad yeah, I was, sounds about right. <laughs> I was looking at it and it was like, oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And Um, As it turns out, there's no downside to going into debt. I was just like, yeah, I haven't paid my rent in like three months. Are they going to do anything? (laughs) No. They're just going to be like, hey, you're going to owe us even more money. And I'm like, they're going to say, hey, here's an achievement for getting in debt. Yeah. I was trying to skip because you have to get to 2029. And I was just going to like skip until I got to 2029 and just kind of made a beeline for it. But, uh, I got a whole bunch of failure achievements for just being lazy and in debt. That's not fiscal but, responsibility simulator. <laughs> no, what is it? But also, I guess you could argue it wasn't PC building because I was just more like, you know, vagrancy simulator or <laughs> procrastination simulator. <laughs> but it's it's really in-depth. I liked the customization. They had real parts in there. Um, I don't know much about PCs uh, other than I use them. Um, but it was cool just building everything and uh, they like had my actual mouse and like legitimate parts from like AMD and all that. And uh, yeah, I I like doing those simulating games. Just I uh, I generally just turn off the music and I listen to a podcast because I like having something to just physically do while I listen to stuff. It kind of it's like a fidget thing, you know, where you just work on a project or something and that. It's it's very relaxing in that kind of regard, and I imagine if you were interested in PCs, it'd make a lot more sense as to what kind of RAM you need. Yes, I'm still frustrated about that. 
I see it says 120 to 150 hours completion. Um, yeah, I'd, almost 4,000 TA. And it looks like Chin yeah, Doctor I'd... completed it. Wow. Huh? You have to, I think you have to complete a lot of orders. Uh, so you really have to enjoy playing the game. But You have to like um, bank a million dollars. You have to have $200,000 worth of inventory. And you have to have every PC part um, in your inventory as well. Which you have to get to a certain level of being a PC builder before they'll let you access that part in the first place. Because that's how Amazon works. They're like, <laughs> well, I can't buy... What are you going to do, buy that? You don't even know what it is. I'm not taking your money. So, so yeah, that's... Uh, I would recommend it, though. It's it's not on anything. I just happen to have it. Um, but I would, I would say, you know... It was pretty chill. I enjoyed my time with it. I'm going to keep going back to it little by little throughout. It's probably not the kind of thing I could just sit and do for like a day on end, but yeah, I liked it. Joe Job Simulations. But that's not all. But wait, there's more. Did anyone catch uh, the Devolver Digital Direct? Devolver Direct and the games therein. There was so many games. Mm. Oh, yeah. Transition. Mm. I caught the follow-up <laughs> article to Devolver Direct uh, after seeing about half of it. I saw us all uh, up until the part where Phil Spencer came on and he uh, what is it was that guest guest announced Carry On, which is uh, for the Xbox and the PC and the Nintendo Switch. First of all, let me just say they showed a bunch of games. And their releases are all over the spectrum here. Mm-hmm. Carry On happens to be the only one that says uh, specifically Xbox, but we have seen where a couple other games, um, a dev has said it's coming to Xbox soon, and some other ones that just, it doesn't make sense that they aren't coming to Xbox at some point. But Carry On, the one that will be on Xbox, will be Game Pass Day 1, and that's actually going to be July 23rd. Uh, PC stack as well. So there's going to be Windows and X, uh, Xbox to uh, stack up on that. And Carry On is a game that takes the whole uh, lock up the monster story and turns that upside down by putting you as the monster. This is, and I, it sounds like I practiced this, and that's because I practiced it with another game uh, that is the exact same premise, but different switch out the monsters uh but you're taking the control of the monster and you're navigating through this facility and i I guess you're trying to escape i'm not 100 sure but as you grow uh, and and kill people or kill things you get you can get access to places you currently couldn't so that kind of screams metroidvania a little bit Mm -hmm. but from something we saw it might be a little bit more linear than that uh, any other words on Carry On, uh, Koosh? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this. Um, you, the power set <laughs> looks pretty cool. Um, you can, looks like you can uh, stick to walls, ceilings. Uh, you're going to be eating scientists. You're going to be uh, incorporating tech from the lab to uh, enhance your skill set. And I think there was one, even one instance where you can uh, basically reach your tentacle out into a human and then control them like a puppet. And you're walking around, you're controlling the human now, and you're shooting, I guess, unlocking doors and things like that. So 
I'm, I'm hoping that there's more surprises uh, like that. And uh looks like a fun game. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, you're like this big red tentacle blob. I don't know if that's fan service or what, but it, it's a game. <laughs> if only Fufu were here to tell us. <laughs> uh, speaking of Devolver Digital specifically, they also showed Shadow Warrior 3. Unfortunately, that's for PC only, but man, did that look cool. And I had to go back and look. Apparently, I've played Shadow Warrior 1 on Xbox. Yeah, they added um, wall running. As soon as I saw the wall running, I'm thinking Titanfall 2. And then they, sure That's enough, they exactly have a hook shot. what I was thinking. The guy shoots out a hook shot, just like Titanfall 2, and kind of swings around with that. So it looks <laughs> it looks crazy. Uh, it doesn't look as nice as Titanfall 2, um, but uh, it's, it's definitely wild. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that is one I would put money on for coming to the console at some point, just because the other two mm-hmm. uh, in the series are there as well. Yeah, the word of warning uh, for the Devolver Digital Conference, and I should have known this before, uh, my daughter walks in while I'm watching it, (laughs) and luckily Fall Guys is on. Now, I know you haven't talked about Fall Guys, but Fall Guys is kind of like, was it Yoshi's Castle? Is that the TV show? It's something like that. Eureka's Castle? Eureka's Castle, thank you. So it's a little bit like Eureka's Castle or the new thing on Netflix, which is The Floor is Lava. It's got kind of that feel to it. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So like th- these little, I don't know, they're, they're pudges. These pudges are running around grabbing balls and they're all like, like lemmings going towards an exit. And it looks like a whole bunch of different game types. Um, but it looks kind of fun and colorful and crazy and very kid friendly. And then they start dropping F bombs. Uh, and by, <laughs> and by them, I mean, the hosts are dropping, they're making up words I've never heard before. And, uh, I had to add them to my, my lexicon. Um, but yeah, so it's not a very kid-friendly conference. Um, but man, those guys—they go all in. They are not messing around. They—they they have a narrative to their uh, to their uh, display or their showcase. There was actually one game that they talked about, which was a tour of a virtual show floor. Did you, did you uh, happen to see this? I it saw it. Yeah, the- it's on Steam. It's basically a, it's like a walking yeah. simulator where you could go and, and catch all of their, the, this press conference, basically. Yeah. It's called Devolver Expo. Uh, and I haven't checked it out. I wanted to go check it out. Um, but it looked like you can play like little mini games that are related to the games that they talked about in the expo. I thought that was kind of fun, but, um, I mean, I don't think it's the way everyone should do things, but it's definitely the way they're doing it. Yeah. Real quick. The other games they mentioned, uh, specifically were Olija, Olwa. I'm not sure how you say it. O-L-I-J-A. That's a Nintendo Switch and PC game, but that one is confirmed by the dev saying that we'll come to Xbox soon. And then the other one probably worth mentioning is Serious Sam 4. And I'm not going to mention it just because it's Serious Sam, but I'm going to mention it because it's coming to Stadia um, in <laughs> August of this year, which is just mind-blowing in and of itself. I mean, this is the game coming to Stadia. <laughs> Oh, man, both of those stadia owners are going to be pumped. (laughs) This is Uh, yeah another one that I would think that would go to console. I've never played a Serious Sam game, but it did look fun. I'll give it that. They're they're uh, I I like them. I've only played uh, the first couple, but they're they're hectic. It looks colorful. The first two. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty off the wall. Uh, Other. 
gaming news? Did anyone watch Ubisoft forward or was it an Ubisoft step backwards? I've been holding oh. on that all day. <laughs> all day. It's got to feel good to get that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw they um, had all these new IPs like uh, Far Cry 6, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, The Crew 2, Watch Dogs Legion. Oh, wait. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's all games that are going to do really well. Yeah, they're going to do really well. Trials Rising, yeah. They're going to be 60 or $70 <laughs> when they first come out. Then they're going to be $20 you know, by Christmas, um, so that, which is when you should get them. But I got to tell you, um, they actually talked about Watch Dogs, Legion. Uh, and before, I had no idea. The stuff that they had been giving, you know, the message about Watch Dogs, Legion, just wasn't great. Uh, it was very confusing about, oh, you're going to be able to attack these missions as these different people. And like, that just didn't make sense. Um, but because of the forward, it, it does make more sense. Now you're, you're going to be able to recruit, I guess, um, people with skill sets. So like a, a hooligan was a cool one, right? Like, uh, so you get to go around and head, headbutt people. That's pretty cool. Um, you can, uh, have hackers and, you know, that's more traditional, um, and they had all these different, it looked like they had like 10 or so different, um, jobs that you could recruit. And then these people can attack missions in various ways. Uh, so it, it, it gave more information about watchdogs legion. So I was happy about that. And I already knew I was going to get Assassin's Creed, uh, you know, Valhalla at some point. Uh, it was good to see some actual in-game play. Oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm always pretty stoked for, things like watchdogs uh i liked the first two watchdogs a lot so they just had me at more watchdogs in london but especially since if they do london like a lot of other games you won't really have guns because that's not as big of a deal there but so so watchdogs lost its uh, underscore oh yeah watch underscore dogs in this article it definitely did i don't know about in the game title that'd be a shame you got to respect the underscore uh, we also have some Game Pass editions. Go over some of those real quick. Uh, looks like uh, Fallout 76. Who's hyped for that? Woo. Uh, Woo. Jay it's Black? a stack now. It is. Uh, it is, yeah. If you liked Fallout 76 before, just wait until it's on Windows 10. Uh, uh, Crosscode, Soul Calibur 6. The Observation, The Messenger, Streets of Rogue, and Night Call are all there. You could play those right now. Uh, and then coming soon, I have Carrion on the 23rd, Yakuza Kiwami on the 30th, and Microsoft Flight Sim on the PC. Uh, that's August 18th. Any of you guys going to check any of those out? I've checked out a couple already. I mean, we, we make fun, but I saw an article on TA that said... Uh... Fallout 76 uh, went into the top 20 of games played as soon as it hit Game Pass. So, Well, yeah, I think that's because no one wanted to buy it. Um, maybe, maybe that once, could be why. <laughs> once that trash was free, you know, uh, pe- people were more than happy to try it out. Morbid curiosity, is it really that bad? <laughs> I mean, there was definitely more than seven people in my uh, everyday life that said, oh, I'd play that for free. <laughs> seven. Yeah. <laughs> 7.6. The only other game worth mentioning on there is uh, The Messenger, obviously. We've said to play that a million times. I will be playing it. 
starting. I'll restart it on Tuesday uh, for no reason whatsoever. But uh, car- carry on is obviously the thing. Now, I think L would like CrossCode. L, did you look at CrossCode? Why? No, I didn't. Yeah, you should check that one out. I think that's that's going to be up your alley. Cross code, um, not cross dress. <clears throat> but uh, the messenger, it. obviously. I don't need a cross dressing uh, simulator, man. I live it. Freem was talking about Streets of Rogue earlier, uh, and I think uh, on the Discord, and I think uh, I'll probably be checking that out. Um, and then Night Call looked really interesting. It's kind of a noir type. Um, I want to say like maybe a point and click or kind of a that you know, story based. And so I, I definitely want to check that out. And then Yakuza Kiwami two, I, I, I understand that the Yakuza games are good. I also understand that they're long. Um, so I want to check them out at some point, but will I get to them in the year before they go off a of game pass? I don't know. Tune in. I've checked out streets of rogue. I started it um, just to dive it. I'll be going back to that. The messenger uh, looks like that won the vote for it came from Game Pass. So if you want to see that on Tuesdays, you can watch oh, yeah. me suffer through it. We're doing a lot of streaming uh, here. Uh, and so just a little bit of hype there for the for that. So on Tuesdays, I'm going to start with me because I'm self-centered uh, at 7 uh, Central. We do it came from Game Pass. So right now it's going to be the messenger. Uh, looks like on Wednesdays at 9.15, right after AEW, L is going to be doing cooperative games with Michelle. I'll be also, Michelle will also be on It Came From Game Pass. Uh, do you have anything cooked up for that? Uh, for wins this next, well, for the Wednesday after, I guess. Mm, I think I'm going to leave it to a vote. I think the idea is to pick a game, a co-op game, where both of our characters will be on the same screen. So something like a way out maybe would work. Streets or, of Rage. Which one? Streets of Rage Four. Yeah. You say? Yeah, we got some yeah. ideas up our sleeve. Nice. I was thinking of the We Were Here games, but I don't know. That would be. Uh, I mean, if people want to see her yelling at me, that'll be yeah, a good. And one. you're not really both on the same screen for those. You're not, but you could see one perspective and then maybe see another perspective. But yeah, I want to see right. you describe the hieroglyphics <laughs> to her. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, I, um, uh, it's always people can't spoil it's it. It's always that's the penis. That's the ass. That's always yeah. I mean. I mean, and that's the, just the, him at family reunions. Yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the game. You're, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the text messages. Yep. Uh, looks like Thursday. Uh, Corey, you're going to be doing random games. Random games. Not, nothing uh, planned weekly or anything like that. So just whatever comes across my desk that day. Nice. Uh, and Friday we're doing at 8.30 Central. So... Uh, you can do time zones. I, I can't. Uh, Foof is going to be doing stuff uh, Friday nights. Uh, and then Saturday at 5 Central, I'll be doing uh, games there. And I've decided to just do some Resident Evil games all at once. I started with Resident Evil 1 uh, this last Saturday. I had a lot of fun with that, so I'm going to finish that out and then maybe go to Resident Evil 2. So if people want to watch things get extra spooky, yeah, we can do that. Well, I am very excited for it came from Game Pass uh, for the Messenger. I will be doing my best to be in the stream 
when you get to the point in that game. And yeah, just read read as much dialogue as you can for that one. Oh, okay. Is my tip. Uh, I will just restart it because I dove it and just skipped everything. So yeah. we'll just re- we'll start at the beginning and we'll be fine. I, uh, I did dive it the day I, it came out as well. And that's like what like f- it's like four or five, five minutes, minutes in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Re- restart it, get a fresh <laughs> fresh outlook, and it, it'll be a good time. Yeah. So I'm just gonna do the whole thing that then uh, on on stream, so uh, you won't miss anything. Uh, Michelle will be there to uh, watch me fail at video games and uh, laugh and look at chat, and she'll also play too. We'll discuss it. It'll be on a future episode, so stay tuned for that. Uh, so looks like there were some sales. Uh, anything catch your eye, Mr. Moose? Yeah, I had been looking at Rad Rogers for a long time, and it's dropped down to $5 down from 20 before, but um, I decided I would actually go in on it this time. It has one unobtainable, so I know that's going to turn some people off immediately, and that's okay. Uh, you can come back and listen to what L has to say later. Um, but but, but, uh, but what I do? <laughs> well, I'm just saying you're next, so they can they can stop listening oh. to me, and when they hear you, they can you know have a game that doesn't have unobtainable. What are you thinking? Uh, this game is a shooter platformer. It's uh, and it's very much like a Devolver digital title uh, in terms of the uh, language content. Um, you could, uh, if you were to imagine Conquer. Uh, you know, going in the squirrel and going in and playing um, in Max, the curse of brotherhood, you would pretty much have the mashup that makes this game, at least from the first level that I've played. Um, You are uh, aiming with the right stick and shooting with the trigger or the X button. Um, Doesn't have a double jump yet. I'm hoping I'm holding out. I'm holding out hope. Uh, And it's got like little mini games that will allow you to alter the level. Uh, it's fun uh, so far. You know, I've played one level, so <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Uh, but $5, it certainly seems like a $5 value. Um, and secondly, Okami HD, which is $10 down from 20 It's been on sale a bunch of times. It's a 360 backwards compatible. I think I'm not lying about that. Um, it's an action-adventure title, and it is about 40 to 50 hours. Um, it's very much like a Zelda game, but you're a wolf. Which is also a Zelda game, so it's it's a lot like a, it's a very particular Zelda game, um, and it's yeah the graphics are dated, but it's still very pretty. Um, I mean, it's, you're in the Japanese countryside, and there's a lot of watercolor painting, uh, and you're actually uh, your weapon is the celestial brush, so you are with the uh, with the sticks, the you know the control sticks, you are drawing patterns on the screen to affect uh, the environment. And, you know, to battle enemies. That's pretty fun. Uh, if, if you like that N64 stuff, uh, you might want to check out Okami. Maybe it's, maybe it's up for you. And it has been on all other kinds of things. I think it was on the N64. I know it was on uh, the, the 3DS and, and other systems. And I believe they are making a sequel, uh, a next-gen sequel. So Now, L, do you have any games that do not have unobtainables? I mean, I could recommend games that may as well have unobtainables since I cannot complete them, uh, such as the uh, arcade game Series 3-in-1 pack that goes on sale frequently. Um, there's a 3-in-1 with Galaga, Pac-Man, and Dig Dug for $3 for all three of them. Um, coincidentally, all three of these games were featured in a movie I watched over the weekend 
uh, the critically acclaimed Pixels. Yeah, oh, buddy. My goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it, side note on that, it got such a bad rap that we wound up enjoying it. This is what happens. It's, uh, <laughs> it was not as bad as, as at all as I thought it was going to be. I like Adam Sandler, and I like video games. There was some cool special effects, and it was fine. I also recommend Fibbage. Is that the right one? Yeah, I think all of them are on sale. The well, all the non-Jackbox ones. I saw a Jackbox in there. Quiplash two? Oh no, didn't see Quiplash two. Yeah, Fibbage was, I believe, the first one that came to the Xbox. Always a good time. And if you don't have the fearful symmetry by now, it is fifty cents. What are you doing with yourself? Get it. It is easy and fun and play anywhere and good. And there's also a Ubisoft uh, sale going on. Did we mention that? We did not mention that, no. So, like, all the Ass Creeds and Watch Dogs and the like are all on sale. I picked up Rogue. Kind of what we were saying before. They're you know they're new and shiny, but then they eventually all go on sale. That's that seems to be what works for them. Corey. Well, I have one game on my list that if you need to round out your gamer score, this game is the perfect one to do it. If you like Animal Crossing, this game is the perfect <laughs> Xbox version to play. <laughs> and if you want to shoot your Xbox in the face at the very last. 32 gamer score then yeah castaway paradise is your game on sale for six dollars and 59 49 cents half off um I, I enjoyed the game enough it's really those last few achievements that will do you in that are literally worth uh 21 20 25 points um 29 points math yeah probably about like 35 points uh, across four or five achievements, so every every uh, gamer score in here is not right, uh, but the game is fun. <laughs> I mean, it's one tenth the price of Animal Crossing, so and you get achievements. And I mean, it's a win win, win win. I thought it was perfectly cromulent. <laughs> ah. I don't get that reference. Uh. <laughs> we'll ex- we'll explain it when you're older. But it will get you more score on the simulation leaderboard. Speaking of simulation lovers, vulgar. Ah, uh-huh, that's just the one time. Mm, <laughs> it's not what your profile says. Experimenting. Eh? Gasp. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be picking up, or actually I already did. I have poor impulse control. I picked up ukulele <laughs> in the impossible lair. Uh, which is a 2D platformer because I am a sucker for old school 2D platformers. And Mega Man, I uh, picked up Mega Man 11. All of them are on sale. Uh, but to bring it back, the Resident Evil series is also pretty much all on sale. So uh, you can get some pretty awesome games there uh, for pretty cheap. Resident Evil 1, the one that I'm playing through, if you like if you're watching me on Saturday and are just like I can do way better than that guy, it's five dollars. So you can you can do that. And uh Thomas Was Alone is a buck seven buck sixty four. I love Thomas Was Alone. It's a story based platformer that makes you care about shapes and blocks. And uh at a buck sixty four, 
Uh, you could do a lot worse than Thomas was alone. Let me preemptively say thank you for allowing ukulele to come to Game Pass in August. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Uh, that was me. I had to do it. When it comes in August or September, you'll know. <laughs> All right. Let's move her right along uh, to the Gamer Tag Challenge. Goosh, take her away. Sure. Um, so this week, this week is in the month of July, and in the month of July, Philip Wendell is our Gamer Tag Challenge. Uh, he has chosen the Outer Wilds as his bonus game. So if you need a bonus point, uh, you can either complete that game or have previously completed that game, or you can earn a single achievement in the game. Our bonus bonus is proper names. So specifically first names, real or fictional, limit one per game. Uh, you can repeat names if you, you know, have multiple games with Bob in them. Uh, you can use those. I'd also like to just point out, um, it's in, for games with gold, for instance, uh, it is getting to the point in the month where we need to uh, download the first two games, which are WRC 8 or Saints Row 2 before they go away. And then uh, by the time you're hearing this, I think Dunk Lords, <laughs> you know, everyone's been waiting for this one, uh, will be out on X1 and Juju on the 360. Hey, I love some basketball games. I'll take Dunk yeah. Lords. It'll be fun. All right. Looks like it's time for Brad Camp. Or Proclamation Point. I, I can't do the voice. Hashbrag. Hashbrag. It goes a little something like this, Devin. Proclamation Point. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Incompletions. We have the Alpha Seagull with 15 completed games. Retro Chief 1969 with 170 completed games. Enigma Gamer 77 with 170 completed games. Ozbuffniak 185. J with 210. Icefire TN with 230. Thank you. And <laughs> with 255. And Bastion Reader with 315 completed games. Moving on past the page break, we have Mike Pitch with 450 completed games. We have Mattism with 515 completed games. NBA Kirkland with 605 completed games. Elroy OMJ with 655 games. Flex. RPG Davy with 690 completed games. Prue with 750 five completed games and toad style venom with 905 completed games and yes we did not filter the sheet today uh in completion percentage we also have the alpha seagull has hit 20 percent i believe l talked about him last week and maybe we read these before but here you go buddy he did a big dunkos uh, dunkos has hit 54 percent and high road vatu with a 68 percent four streaks Fighter Chip, Alex RD, and Ice Fire Tennessee all gain a point on Skeptical Mario's Street King leaderboard with their 10-day achievement win streaks. Crunchy Goblin 68 and Dunkos, good morning, have hit 75 days earning achievements every single day. Sad. I Need Togepi, Officer Zero, Vulgar Latin, and RPG Davey have all hit 100 days. What the fuck has 382 achievements, one per day, 382 days, new personal best, way to go. Seamus McLimey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know where to go with that one. Seamus McLimey is currently on a 1,375 day achievement win streak and Saucy Slingo 2,270 
five days. Now for achievements one and on the air filtering, Death Dealers has hit 7,000 achievements one, Mark B at 11,000, Saucy Slingo at 12,500, Seamus McLimey again on this Bragg Camp at 15,500 achievements one, Enigma Gamer 77, my bad, is at 17,500, Tropin at 18,000, ZZ Urban Spaceman and Ahizo both at 19,500 achievements. Thanks, mans. Officer Zero at 23,500, Triple Triad at 27,500, and Toad Style Venom, 29,500 achievements won. Just insane numbers. Insane. For gamer score, AH101 has reached a new milestone of 5,000 gamer score. Yeah. Good job, everybody. It takes a bow. We made it. We did not log out. Chesno has reached a new milestone of 195,000 gamer score. Retro Chief 1969 has reached a new milestone of 210,000 gamer score. Skeptical Mario has reached a new milestone of 280,000 gamer score. What the Fug has done. What the Fug and Ozba Fanatic did 470,000 gamer score. The Joe Dean has reached a half million gamer score. Tropan has reached 510,000 gamer score. I can't do numbers in my head. Uh, Urban Spaceman has done 540,000 gamer score. Big L has reached 580,000 gamer score. Good job, buddy. Uh, Matrix has reached 610,000 gamer score. All right, for TA score, uh, Retro Chief has three 330,000 TA. Uh, Philip Wendell has 49... Four, ah! 490,000 TA. Ben L72 has reached uh, 650,000 TA. Skeptical Mario has reached 760,000 TA. What the fuck? What the fuck? And Kush Moose and Seamus McLimey. Oh. Wow. Has reached 790,000 true achievement score. Uh, Urban Spaceman has reached 860,000 true achievement score. I did 940,000 TA score. Go me. RPG Davy has 1,070,000 TA score. Uh, Matism has 1,160,000. Toadstyle Venom with 1,410,000. And Isrit with 1,420,000 TA score. Blaze it. Whew. Blaze it. Blaze it. All right, we got leaderboards. Ahizo is in the. <laughs> Ahizo is in the top 200 of the USA Games Played Leaderboard. Chewy on Ice is in the top 2,000 of the Games Played Leaderboard. Chesno is in the top 10,000 of the TA Leaderboard for Fighting. Death Dealers is now in the top 20,000 of the Gamer Score Leaderboard. We have in the community spotlight, we had a request. A request came out. For the illustrious Daniel JJ14, hit on the nose, 696969 gamer score. Nice. For some reason, nice. people thought nice. I would like that number. I don't know why. Because it's freaking awesome. Giggity. Lamau. And in life events, our very own Lady Licky is engaged to be married. Congratulations, Lady Licky. Can't top that. Can't top love. Finding love on the show. 
Faux show. Well, uh, that's it for show 103. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find us on Twitch at AH101, Twitter at Achievements101, uh, discord.io slash AH101. And if you feel like supporting this madness, you can do that at patreon.com slash achievementhunting101. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. I got jokes. Oh, you got jokes. You guys want to hear a joke? This guy's got jokes. What game is in Schrodinger's Xbox? Blinks? Nope. Oh. Any other guesses? Um, bunny parking. What about the quarks? If we open it, then we'll figure out. It's in a perpetual state of life and death until we open it. Dead or alive. Thank oh. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Chewy, sorry I missed you. I was oodin' the boot. I heard Freaky Road tossed out a challenge. Is it to see who can get the most internet memes made about their job? It is ma'am! You heard of WWE 2K20, right? Oh, just about who can score the most gamer score? Oh yeah, I can handle that. Hell, I still have Lego games I haven't started yet. And did he call me J Block Q? My name's J Black. Don't worry, he won't forget my name next time because I'm gonna leave him J Black and Blue. me or I'll reap your soul. For anyone who's played Strawberry Vinegar, these words should be familiar, even to those of you who just skipped right through the dialogue, because this is the first thing that pops up on the screen with every new playthrough. And honestly, it's the perfect way to start the story off. So, Strawberry Vinegar is the newest uh, visual novel from Rataleka, which brings their total up to four, and there's at least five more on the way this year all of which I am excited for. This one was released on June 3rd, 2020 for 10 bucks, though it did have a 20% discount for two weeks when it came out. By the time you hear this, though, that discount will have expired. So as always, I'll get the achievement score right out of the way. Like the other Rat VNs, you can just fly right through all the dialogue in this one and get your 1,000 gamer score quite quickly, though not as quickly as the others. If you follow a guide, this one seems like it's going to take you between 18 and 25 minutes, uh, and that's just because there's a lot of text in this one. Um, given that it takes so long by Rat stand and cost 10 bucks, I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10 for Achievement Hunters. It's still very fast, all things considered, and involves literally no skill, but that price tag is probably going to throw some people off if you're only interested exclusively in earning those points. For the game itself, though, I freaking loved this game. Everything I hated about Blind Man in my last review, this one, it didn't have any of those problems. The writing was super well done, the choices actually made you think, which is unique in a VN, where the stories are usually streamlined. Um, the story was hilarious and heartwarming, and the characters were incredibly well designed. And I'm talking about their writing and their artwork, because they were also, all the characters were awesome to look at. In addition to the character artwork, there was food artwork, which was amazing, but we'll get into all that later. So my review for Blind Men the other week mentioned that it was a boys love VN, and Strawberry Vinegar is, for all intents and purposes, a girls love VN, but that one actually has a Japanese name. It's called a Yuri VN, um, and that means the story focuses on lesbian relationships. So with that said, I have to get something out of the way right off the bat. This game is very, very Japanese. There are some some things that I feel like they're going to be offensive to certain people, you know, very ingrained in Western culture, um, such as the budding romance between two nine-year-old girls or the very, very flamboyant, stereotypically feminine male lead. Most people who are tolerant aren't going to have any issue with these things. 
But I feel like there's some conservative folks throwing a fit and not letting their kids play this game based on that content. So just keep in mind, it is very, very Japanese. So onto the story. This one's actually kind of hard to condense into a concise spoiler-free summary, but I'm going to try my best. So like I opened my review, Feed Me or I'll Reap Your Soul is sort of the main premise. A nine-year-old demon girl named Licia shows up in your house and demands to be fed tasty food or she'll take away the main character's soul. And that main character is Re, another nine-year-old girl, but she's human. Right off the bat, you can decline, and Licia leaves the house crying. Later that night, Licia's older sister demon shows up and kills you for making her little sister cry because no one can make a demon cry and live to tell about it. And bam, right there is ending one of six. Endings two, three, and four involve you meeting Lysia's demands for the week. Um, and the week only lasts six days, by the way. It's explained as weeks in hell are shorter than weeks on Earth. But if you read the developer commentary, he said he initially was worried he wasn't going to have enough stuff for seven full days. So he just wrote it as six. And then when he realized that he did have enough stuff for seven full days, he thought his excuse was funny, so he kept it in. And I agree with that, because there's actually quite a few humorous mentions about the week only being six days. But anyway, endings two, three, and four are various levels of friendship and agreement or disagreement between Re and Licia, with them ultimately going their separate ways after Licia does eat her tasty food for a week. Not all of them are happy endings, though, especially number two, which is very much a, a bad ending, but they, they function as sort of your normal playthrough. Those are like your, your standard options. If ending one where you die is the really bad option, two is the kind of bad one, three and four are normal, um, but then endings five and six are where the game gets juicy, so to speak. Both of these endings feature epilogues with grown-up 18-year-old Licia and Re hanging out. Uh, ending five, they're best friends and they're never going to grow apart, and, you know, they're inseparable and, and that's that. But in ending six, that's the one that, I guess that's the intended goal, that's the, the best ending, that's where they're lovers. So you find out that they've loved each other for the past nine years, which... That's actually based on a choice that you have to make, but they kept their relationship sort of on the down low until just a few years ago when they started officially dating. And I actually, I thought that part was written quite well, because even though you can choose to have the, you know, the nine-year-old girls confess their love for each other, they both admit that they're too young to know what love actually is, which is why they decide to wait five or six more years before you know, becoming a pair, because they figure, oh, now I'm 15, and I understand both what love is, and that they have it for each other. So a little cheesy, a little campy in that sense, but at least it was acknowledged that we can't have two nine-year-old girls in love with each other, right? So if you're wondering how Licia, a demon, got away with living on Earth for nine years, that was actually a running gag throughout the story. Licia is very vocal about the fact that she is from hell, and Re, of course, believes her. Re's parents do not, though, and they believe that she's a Norwegian princess from the town of hell, not Hell, Michigan, but Hell in, you know, Norwegia. Licia, she is pale and blonde, so it matches a Norwegian description, but her parents never actually seem to question her horns or tail, and it's just mentioned in passing that they're just fashion accessories. A lot of the humor in the game comes from conversations about Hell, because Licia constantly mentions how hot it is, and Ree's dad gets really confused why it's so hot in Norwegia. And yes, I know Norwegia is not a place. Love you, Waka. If you guys know the TV show Lucifer, where he tells everybody, but I'm the devil, and no one believes him, it's kind of like that. She's very open. I'm a demon from Hell, and no one wants to believe her. It was it was entertaining. Anyway, other than Ree and Licia, the only other major characters are Ri's mother, Yuki, and her father, Kazuki. Yuki is a rich, famous actress. She's never home, so she doesn't have a great relationship with her daughter. And then her father, Kazuki, which is a feminine name in Japan, by the way, which further goes to sort of 
typecast him as the feminine flamboyant male. Uh, he's obsessed with baking, and he's not really a good parent either, just because he doesn't know how to parent. He tries to be a part of Ree's life, and they just, they don't really click. In fact, actually, part of the reason Ree decides to meet Lisa's initial demands is because she's miserable and hates her life, and she feels like it's monotonous and devoid of love, so she figures having another person around, you know, is going to give her life some meaning, some enjoyment, which is actually really sad if you think about it, but that's besides the point. So what's interesting about Ree's parents here is that her mother is she's very much the breadwinner she pays all the bills she buys the house and she basically keeps Ree's father around as a maid most of the time you see him he actually has an apron on and he's either cleaning or cooking he's definitely not supposed to be written as a lover or a father figure he's very much sort of I'll, I'll keep you on staff if you will and her parents aren't married which is also alluded to several times because they have different last names so they're minor characters but they definitely they have their place in the story they fit in perfectly where they're needed and they do advance the plot sufficiently moving away from plot and characters though the achievements in this game are actually worth mentioning because they're unlocked for reaching the six endings of course you get one for each one uh, but the other 22 achievements are for eating specific types of food many of which will only appear here in a certain ending. There are a couple choices that don't impact the endings, but do impact what food is eaten, so it's actually possible to have gotten all six endings without having eaten all the dishes. If you're following a guide, that's not going to be a problem. I just thought it was worth mentioning that you can technically get all six endings, but not have the full thousand gamer score. What's really cool about these food achievements, though, is when you eat the dish and earn the achievement, it's not just like text. It's not just, oh, you had strawberry pancakes. There's actually like a really incredibly amazingly drawn picture of every dish that you're eating. And I'm not one of those people that like, show me pictures of your food and then I'll get hungry. But like these ones were so well drawn that I wish they were real because they looked fantastic and I would have eaten all of them. Outside of the food artwork, I already mentioned sort of right off the bat, but the characters are drawn quite well and they have quite a variety of different outfits. I really complained about that in Blind Men where everyone just wore the same outfit the entire time. And this game is the opposite. Re and Licia, they have easily six or seven outfits that pop up throughout the story. And even Re's parents, who you don't see very often, have three or four each. So there's a ton of variety in just the character models, and that extends to the backgrounds and environments, too. Um, each ending will take you to different locations, and within the different endings, there are no repeats to be seen, which is really cool, actually. I don't have a number, but there's easily 15, 20 different backgrounds. The soundtrack also works that way. It's pretty subdued. There's not going to be any songs that you would, you know, want to listen to outside of the game, but they all sound good, they all do what they need to do, and there's a nice variety there as well. Each area has its own music, so you're never going to hear the same song on loop for 20 minutes at a time like you did with Blind Men. Ugh. In terms of value for the game, I spent about three and a half hours playing through, and the only text I skipped was what I'd already read, and I enjoyed all six endings, so I'll admit that ending number three, if that matters to you, it was kind of a bit of a letdown. If you play for yourself, you'll know what I'm talking about when you get there. It just, it, there's sort of, there's no finale there. It's just, okay, that's it, ending, woohoo. Um, but the other five were cute, entertaining, well-written, and I really enjoyed all of them. Even the one where you die, even the bad ending, it was, it was cute and kind of well thought out. Um, I did follow a guide, so I didn't miss any of the food choices, but if you went in blind, and kept track of your choices, you know, he could easily get four hours out of the game, maybe four and a half. If you don't fast forward through the dialogue that you've already read, you're easily looking at probably six to eight hours here. So I'm sure lots of you are skeptical about spending $10 on a visual novel, but I could promise you that given the content, the price tag is justified. Even if it was $15, I wouldn't bat an eye. I feel like this easily has $15 worth of stuff on offer. In addition to the game, you can check out some concept art. There's like written explanations and notes from the main writer. 
and there's you know you can hear all the soundtrack songs and stuff like that there's there's a lot of good stuff packed in and ten dollars is a very solid price so all of that said i'm gonna give this vn a solid nine out of ten my only complaint here is that there's a lot of focus on the food and it's cute it's awesome but it just doesn't necessarily advance the plot like i said it's nice to look at they're very well drawn but there was maybe just too much discussion about the food itself instead of the characters or advancing the story a very minor complaint but that's it's sort of keeping it from getting that perfect 10 out of 10 from me nine out of 10 as a game and eight out of 10 for achievement hunters thanks for listening since i'm sure most of you have no idea what I'm talking about because you fast-forwarded right through the game. Hopefully, I've given you some insight and meaning behind the pretty pictures that were on your TV, right? Just remember that not all demons are bad. Some just want tasty food. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to be taking a look at Castle Pals. Castle Pals was a game that was released here pretty recently on the Xbox Store, and it's a price of $4.99. So what is Castle Pals? Castle Pals is a uh, platformer in which you play as a boy and a girl. Boy's name is Owen. The girl's name is... Ah, not important. Um, Story's not a big high point here in Castle Pals. I think you might have to look at the description to see why these two are in a castle. I presume it's a castle. Could be some sort of fort. There's no opening, there's nothing to describe what is happening, but uh, you're going to take turns alternating as the boy and the girl going through each stage to get um, to the end where you're going to be, I presume there's a boss of some description. I got about halfway through uh, the three-act structure. Uh, There's a first act, second act, and a third act. Uh, For the achievements, which is what I did to get the thousand... Out of a thousand, it took me about uh, 40 minutes. Now, these platforming games, I am a, I'm a pretty big fan of them, and I've enjoyed uh, other platforming games from Ratalika, their oeuvre, if you will. I liked Foxyland um, just well enough, I suppose. And uh, what was it? Rex Rex Lightning? Rex Rex Rover? No, Rex Rover was a, was a different one. They all kind of blend together after a while. And... To be honest, there's nothing about this one that won't blend in with everything else. So the gameplay is pretty cut and dry. It's going to be a jump, bop enemies on the head by jumping on them. You can use the boy. The boy and the girl have different abilities. The boy has sort of a tails thing going on because he has this propeller beanie, uh, which he uses to fly, I guess. You can tap to jump and then if you keep tapping he spins that propeller beanie kind of like a helicopter uh goes through uh, the levels that way his are a little bit more vertical i guess uh whereas the girl is super swole and can punch enemies outright she also has sort of a lariat ability uh, which gives her a big zangief sort of deal there Uh, as for the visual styles it's it's a cut and dry ratalika affair it's not offensive uh, there was some good enemy designs there. There was like a zombie who would turn electric. Uh, otherwise, they're kind of blobs, I guess. Uh, pretty bog standard sort of platforming there. And I, I think that's going to be the big summation of this experience is that it is standard. It is ho-hum. It is a middle-of-the-road, C-average student. There's nothing about Castle Pals that I didn't like. 
but there's also nothing about it that I particularly feel it should be held to high regard. This is the RC Cola of platforming games. It is middle of the road, straight shooter. It's it's just okay. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that at the price point. And uh, there's easy gamer score to be had if that's what you're into. And I presume if you're listening to this, that is what you're into. As far as the, the gamer score, you are going to be needing to do, I believe it was 18 of the game's levels. There are more than that if you wish to continue along. You have to find some collectibles. There are two collectibles, a red gem and a blue gem. Both are fairly easy to find. You also have to beat the par time to get a gold medal on four of the levels. The par times are laughably easy for some of the levels. Uh, For example, they always seem to be about a minute. And on some of those levels, I completed them in about 15 seconds. So you have a lot of lead up there. Even if you play super cautiously, you are going to get these gold medals uh, if you need them. And... You know, that's, that's pretty much it. As far as the music and the sound, it was, again, fairly inoffensive. It was nothing memorable. I just did this about six hours ago. And to be honest, I can't even remember any of the music and, and any of the sound effects. They all seemed very just kind of okay. And that's, again, it's just going to come back to okay. Uh, I completed this again about 30, 40 minutes, so it took me about the time it takes a lunch break to happen. I actually did it on my lunch break. And there you have it. You know, it retails for the price of $4.99. If that's something that you're into, if you want to play a, a platforming game, that's that's fairly okay. Controls well enough, does everything fairly decently, then hey, Castle Pals will probably be for you. If you're in it for the easy thousand points, uh, if you have $5 burning a hole in your wallet and you desperately need that thousand points, give her a shot. Uh, it's, you know, of the Rattalaika games, it is it's it is certainly one of them. It is, it is fine. I did not hate my time in Castle Pals, but I imagine if you were to ask me three months down the line anything about it, I will probably have forgotten. That said, we're going to plug this into my fancy schmancy rating port. Uh, I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of 5. Just just right down the center there. Right right in the middle. Could be better. Could be worse. It's fine. It's the 16 pieces of flair of video games. It's it's adequate. It is it, it is it is okay. If it was a restaurant, it'd be, I don't know, maybe Applebee's. Applebee's sounds fine. I'm, I'm pretty hungry. We're going to leave it at that. 2.5 out of 5. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Peace. This is going to be so good. For the love of the festering demon shrimps of Jaharva, do I have to do everything in this place? Hello and welcome to week four of the Dreamfall Chapters Game Club. This will be our penultimate episode going through Book 4, Revelations. I'm Waka Pale, and with me I have Shuey on Ice. Heyo. Book 4 opens with Crow flying over Makoria looking for Zoe, who has been abducted by the rebels. He finds Olivik, who tells Crow where to find Zoe. Immediately after, Olivik is arrested or not, depending on if you left the tools. Uh, he was not arrested in mine. Shepard is questioning Zoe, and Crow sweeps in to the rescue. 
Crow finds out April Ryan is dead, and Shepard decides to help Zoe since she knew April. Yeah, that, this was all a little bit. Uh, I found this a little bit tenuous that uh, this random woman who's been trying to find the rebels, they just kind of welcome her into the fold without too many questions asked. The rebels know Crow, and if Crow says Zoe is okay, then they will probably let that slide. How much time has passed between April dying and now? It's more than a year. Yeah, I was surprised that Crow wasn't kind of aware of that. I would have imagined this that was pretty big news in the world. Crow keeps getting lost all the time and losing the guys he's supposed to sidekick for. Yeah, that's mentioned later on as a funny joke. Eno volunteers to help Zoe by looking for information in the library regarding the Purple Mountains. No one knows of the Ular or the Purple Mountains. Some remember Abnaxus, but uh, they don't really know anything about him. Yeah, it's kind of all a bit, again, it's like these mystical things that uh, are supposed to be very important, but somehow no one seems to have heard of them. Mercuria is just a tiny, well, it's a rather big city by Arcadia standards, but it's still a very small part of the world. They're very insular. Yeah, and they are busy with other things, like the current occupation and the previous occupation before that. The Asadi did save Mercuria from other invaders that invaded 10 years earlier. While wandering the rebel headquarters, you might find Yakai rummaging through Kian's belongings. Yeah, he was up to no good, that guy. I, I didn't really trust him the first few times that we met him, because he seemed to be a little uh, a little sketchy and a little all over the place. I uh, wasn't sure about his motivations, but bumping into him in Kian's room just set all the alarm bells going. You can't immediately tell people that uh, you're being suspicious of him, but you can tell Olivic later if he has not been arrested. Oh, I missed that opportunity, I think. It's easy to miss. You do not really have a reason to go inside the rooster and kitten. Well, I think that's it. Yeah, I never went in there again. While Eno is scouring the library for clues, you find Crow and briefly talk about April. Eno and Zoe, they have an interesting dynamic going. Yeah, so Inu was always a bit kind of excitable in her interactions with Kian. But this, she takes it to the next level with Zoe. <laughs> She's desperate for a sleepover. She wants them to be sisters. She wants them to be best friends. Do you want to be my friend? Oh, I already asked you that. I'm coming on too strong, aren't I? I am, I can tell. Stop it, Enu. She's like super duper excited that this random stranger is in there. She says it's because she's surrounded by big you know, men, and she doesn't really get a girly friend to talk to, which is kind of sweet in a way, but very, it doesn't really match the uh, the rebellion kind of thing that they've got going on. Well, she sort of stood out before as the more happy-go-lucky and not especially dark character. Yeah. <laughs> Rather the opposite, but uh, yeah, she uh, desperately wants to be friends with Zoe. To the point where it's a bit creepy and a bit stalkery. Zoe has some really weird thoughts regarding Inu as well. Like if you try to, you get a hand icon and she really wants to stroke her for some reason. <laughs> no, I missed that. I didn't catch that one. That's great. Inu's really weird and very sweet and I like her a lot. Purple mountains, ular, ula, 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 ula. <sighs> Nope. Nothing. I have to no. resist this intense desire to stroke her yellow fur. 
I don't think that'd be kosher. Ah, books, please don't fail me now. While looking in the library, finding nothing, the general, Blind Bob, mentions Abnaxus in the background. Conveniently. <laughs> April visited Abnaxus earlier, so you know where he lived if you played previous games. Blind Bob is now called Bob who can see. He was theoretically blind last time you saw him and a beggar. Yeah, so he knows he knows Zoe, so when Zoe chats with him he um they have a bit of a reminiscing, which is I guess Zoe saw him when he was a beggar and blind. Yeah, and she gave him some alcohol and he appreciated that. I don't remember why. There's a funny bit here as well, because you ask him, he knows about Abnaxus, but he doesn't know about the Purple Mountains. Although that's mainly because he keeps thinking you say Turtle Mountains. Yeah, and the Turtle Mountains were mentioned before as well, but uh, yeah, it's not important. It's just played off as a joke. Bob tells Zoe that Abnaxus gave him a key to his abode for safekeeping. Since Abnaxus can see into the future... That is probably why he did so. Yeah, so when when Bob says this, initially I was like, why would this all-knowing, like, mystical guy give a beggar a key to his house and say, hey... He wasn't a beggar at that point. He he was in high society, but uh, he fell hard. Yeah, no, I remember him saying. But even even then, just some random guy and say, hey, sleep at my house anytime. But then I, I did pick up on the fact that if Abnaxis knew what was going to happen, it was purely so that we could get to this point where Zoe ends up with the key. So he hands Zoe the key and uh, asks her to be careful with it. So Zoe leaves the rebel headquarters to look for Abnaxis' abode. Uh, Crow guides you there. Yeah, there's some really funny interchanges here. Uh, th- there are some optional missable stuff with Crow here that's... Uh, I don't know if you heard his uh, rather sexist comments if you wander too far. Yeah, it was brilliant. And then and Zoe says, that's sexist. And then his response was, I know I'm sexy. Yeah, and he keeps uh, intentionally misunderstanding what Zoe tries to tell him. <laughs> when you find Abnaxus's house... Honor Hilaris and his crew is attempting to destroy it. It is magically protected and uh, they are not doing a very good job destroying it. This time Hilaris really amps up his bigotry and sexism to parodical levels. Yeah, so he um, he has the memorable exchange with Zoe where he encourages that she should just be going and making pure breed human babies instead of whatever she's doing. And that's the best thing she could be doing right now. Yeah, and he's also running to be elected the leader of the city watch and Zoe Zoe suggests that they need to get into that house but they're in the way and Crow uh, makes the suggestion that they should kill them hide the bodies and go about their lives as if nothing happened which I actually thought based on uh, you know I thought that was actually quite a good idea based on who these people are well Zoe sort of kills one of them or makes she dunks or them. makes uh, honor throw a rock making barrels tumble onto uh, one of his henchmen's head. Zoe enters Abnaxus's abode and is surprised by Brian Westhouse. Yeah, so um, this is this is another bit where I was a bit... Because obviously we've had so many characters from the previous games that I've kind of settled into who everyone is now. And now they're introducing new characters, but they're not new characters. They're other characters from the previous games. So I got, I got the sense they obviously knew each other, but I have no context for who this guy is. It was fortunate he turned up there since uh, Zoe cannot read the alien languages of... Um, 
Arcadia. Uh, she understands languages through magic, which they haven't explained in this game yet, but uh, they did in earlier games. Uh, I just assumed everyone just talks the same language in the typical kind of fantasy way. Uh, they do not. Uh, West House helps you translate Abnaxus's notes and books, which you have to find throughout his house. Yeah, he doesn't helpfully file everything. He's just got notes scattered around. So he learns the way to the Purple Mountains, uh, which is now known as Cloud Peak. There are also some very vague prophecies told about how Clax stole Lux's soul stone. Clax is a returning character who you will soon meet. Yeah. He used to be a wizard with a flying castle. He is now running a puppet show with his fingerlings nearby. Yeah, so this is where, again, I kind of lost the thread a little bit because I, I kind of got to grips with what the story was. And then they, they're kind of layering in these extra bits of fantasy, backstory kind of stuff. And I was a bit like, wait, who, what, what, where, when? Wizards? Soul stones? What? The soul stones are new is not he has been in both previous games before you leave you can uh, decide to allow Westhouse to stay or not so i feel like i made a mistake because when it gave me that option my initial thinking was like yeah he seems like a smart guy he's uh, useful to have around and then after that you make that decision zoe's like mm, i'm not sure if that was the right choice <laughs> Le- letting some stranger stay in this guy's house who explicitly i have the key for and I, afterwards I was thinking, yeah, that's probably not great. But Yeah, if you've been paying attention, but the, this is through the previous games, you know that Westhouse might not be the best or most reliable person to have around. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Interesting. He uh, left Stark in the 1930s, I believe, and ended up in uh, Arcadia many years later, well, 300 years later or something. Oh, okay. So he's he's a bit mysterious in his own way. I just took him as some, you know, um, educated kind of nerdy guy. And you actually play as him in, uh, in Dreamfall oh. for a brief moment. You find Clax and he is running his puppet show. Before uh, he is about to perform, you ask him uh, where the soul stone is and he tells you that the Yaga has it. He's a bit uh, schizophrenic, this guy. Obviously, I, I know nothing about him from before, apart from the fact that he presumably was a baddie and now he's a nobody. But he seems to still have something in him that suggests there's, there's darkness in there. So he, uh, he, he gives you an answer, but then he kind of, to himself gives a very angry response and it's like he's got two personalities going on in there well i'm not entirely sure he has two personalities i just think he's actually really really bad he's not very good at hiding it though (laughs) and uh, as you will hear later in the episode he is way older than you expect although i i also figured that uh maybe he's just really angry because he has such a terrible puppet show Uh, So his questioning is interrupted by the Fingerlings show, which retells the events from uh, the first game when uh, April Ryan defeated Clax. But it's from his perspective, so she's the evil person and he's the noble wizard. During the show, uh, Clax is arrested for putting up a show about magic. Yeah, again, I I figured that maybe... Partially it was because of the magic, but also partially because it was just a really terrible puppet show. 
He wasn't moving the puppets, he just had them on his fingers and <laughs> just held them up in the air. I don't think you can get arrested for that, but uh, he had some serious fans <laughs> who really liked the shows. So he decides to find the Yaga in Riverwood, which happens to be on her way to the Purple Mountains. To get there, she has some off-screen hijinks with Crow resulting in a an Elguan mount. Yeah, so this was quite a funny interchange because it suggests a load of actions happened off, off, off screen and I wasn't sure if that was intended to be produced and they just, you know, fell short of time and budget and so they're referencing it or if it's just a little funny little joke. It might be a bit of both. That we don't see. Yeah. yeah it happens again shortly thereafter. Yeah. And when you get to Riverwood, you lose your Elguan and meet the mole man Ben Bendu. Uh, he was in the first game. So he's another one of the mole people, like Mole, who she said that she was the last of her kind, but there's clearly is one more. You learn that some mole men survived the Saudis genocide. Ben Bandu guides you to the Yaga, but does not dare getting too close. So he walks through a very spooky path. Very quickly, didn't the Kian and Litko sequence happen between... Oh, you maybe you didn't have it because you weren't with Liko in your playthrough. I'm not sure, but in my playthrough, in between this, we had a sequence between Kyo and Liko on the cloud ship. You're probably right. I didn't have it since I chose to go alone. So, so what I had was Kian and Liko have a have a moment on the cloud ship. They they discuss their kind of past and and who they are and and bond a little bit more. And and you can see that Liko is kind of. <laughs> Losing the will to kill Kian, but also um, they have more than just a moment. There's a bit of a kind of a sexual tension in the air, and it becomes very apparent that Liko is also homosexual, uh, as well as Kian. They don't outright say it, but they heavily imply it, and and then they discuss how in their in both of their um, kind of systems, homosexuals are seen as kind of the lowest of the low. Forget forget all the other things, the racism and speciesism and all of this stuff. Uh, so they're, they're, they're still outcasts, even within their own kind of groups. That's from the Dolomari side. The Asadi doesn't really care about sexuality at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. But but it was interesting because they shared, obviously shared that, that side of themselves. And I think that that's definitely softened Liko's edge when it comes to his uh, perspective on Kian. Yeah, he still intends to kill Kian. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there will always be that undercurrent, but uh, he might re- he might kind of be sad about it a little bit more now. So he walks the spooky path to find the Yaga. On her way, creepy things happen. If this was the entrance to a haunted house, I'd say they'd gone overboard. Mother of ravens! I don't feel very welcome. I mean, this isn't just a bad sign. It's all the bad signs, all at once, like a grab bag of ill omens. Yeah. Creepy woods. Creepy kids' voices. Creepy witch voices. Creepy. She finds a very spooky house, and when she tries to open it, Zoe is attacked by it. So when you when you approach the house, which I've described in my notes as a hobbit house, because it looks like one of the hobbit houses from Lord of the Rings. When you approach the house, I noticed that one of the windows was blinking. And I thought that's probably not a good sign. But she also comments that she feels weird, like she's walking between the world and of the waking world and dreams. So this is kind of where she is, is like a border between the dream world. So I guess crazy stuff can happen. And it does. The house turns out to be a head. Yeah, of a big toothy snake monster. 
which Zoe has to use her special dreamer abilities, including slow down time to climb into the head while it's attacking her. Which and we, we've seen her use her kind of dream powers in the very first section of the very first chapter when she kills the tentacle monster, but then she hasn't really used them at all much. Not at all. Since then. Well, not at all. Yeah, not at all since then. So I kind of forgot that that was a thing. Uh, until she yeah slowed down time and and kind of blasted her way through yeah, after getting through the door she ends up in a dark void with some purple sky uh, after being taunted by three voices the yaga reveals themselves so this this whole sequence i mean it's the uh, it's the old um is it kind of slavic folk folklore the baba yaga which i think I've seen it represented in different games, but it's it's like a witch that travels around on their house on top of a chicken leg and goes around eating children, I think. Yeah, that's, that's the standard version. This is some kind of mishmash between different uh, yeah. mythologies. Because when, ha- when I saw the house, I was half expecting the kind of traditional thing of it, of it kind of turning into like lifting up off the ground and having the legs underneath it rather than being the big snaky monster but yeah the the whole baba yaga thing was interesting that they kind of brought that in yeah there's so much that they lift from other things yet make something that is distinctly their own it reminded me of the again i'm i'm full of all these silly references but it reminded me of the movie stardust uh which has the three witches also it's the three witches there's the three witches from um macbeth uh who are like the prophetic evil witches who share the eyes and can see the future so i i guess there's there's various different references maybe those are some of the reference points as well After discussing Lux and the Soul Stone, the Yaga wants a part of Zoe in exchange for their help. Uh, At this junction you can choose to tell them of all the bad choices, the morally bad choices you have done. So this list can either be very long or not long at all depending on what you've done. So my my choices were that I'd run run away from Nella exploding herself and that I ended up getting the guy killed who to be fair had a gun pointed directly near my face uh but that that my choice to throw the dream machine at him got him killed the aga are not at all happy with your secrets and consider them very minor things but in the end decide to help you since they rather not have existence stop yeah so the, the the way this kind of works as far as i can tell is that they're ex- they're they're fading in the current reality anyway because their power is based on people kind of believing in them and the more that people have the b- belief in them the more powerful they are and as people forget them or don't think about them the less powerful they are which is why they've got the soul stone which is kind of feeding them what you know because otherwise they don't have enough to keep themselves going the yaga were already very weak when april came around 10 well, around 10 years earlier she defeated roper clax and the gribbler who were their 
arms in the world so to speak yeah so they used the those two people to kind of bring them sacrifices basically to keep them powerful uh, in some ways but it wasn't really doing much for them uh, and those concepts again i think those are lifted or, or kind of come from similar so the sandman books that i think i referenced before have that same concept that kind of gods are only as powerful as as their belief in the in them is and the, the less people believe in them the, the more weak they become until they fade out of existence it's quite interesting after getting the soul stone you leave the yaga's dimension or where wherever it was you ended up and uh, you find crow outside hiding uh, so he shines him for being the worst sidekick ever <laughs> he is really bad when he is not incredibly useful yeah i mean he doesn't do much at all apart from make snarky comments yeah but at some junctions you really need someone to fly to unreachable places oh yeah when there's a women door handle on a chandelier then you need him (laughs) things like that Uh, you leave the argus woods and meet the mole together with ben yeah so two more people reunited Uh, the mole is very surprised to see zoe they discuss this what you what you were talking about there this idea about the yaga and they provide a bit of context and they talk about how this gribbler character and this wizard were the servants of the yaga i'd never obviously heard of the gribbler so i had no idea what that was and then when they were talking about the wizard because there's so much new information in this episode I don't think I'd quite made the connection that that wizard was the one that we'd met with the fingerling puppet. Uh, and it kind of only as I pieced it together in my mind did I realise that, because it's not... I mean, they mention names, but we've, it's just so much new information that it's kind of hard to really contextualise that. The scene with the Gribbler in the first game is fantastic. It is hilarious for all the wrong reasons, but they are. it's very deliberate the way they set up the scene. Uh, the Gribbler is pretending to be hurt outside in the forest and April uh, offers to help her. And she is very clearly a witch and she very clearly intends to eat April, but she very naively follows her into her house. Nice. So it's Hansel and Gretel, basically. <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, then she, more or less by luck, ends up uh, throwing her into the fireplace. Nice. Uh, the mole helps Zoe get to the purple mountains and uh, offers uh, her mount a leap fur. The scene changes to Anna scheming with Madritana. Yeah, so this was, uh, I guess, a bit of a reveal. because I never got why the rebels let... I think we mentioned in the last episode, I never got why the rebels let kind of Anna just hang around because she was never really on their side she just was kind of neutral and it seemed a bit silly to let her hang around when it's very possible she could have been playing both sides and this very clearly shows that she kind of is uh, acting as a bit of a double agent so i don't know why the rebels kept her like let, let her hang around while they talked about all of their business well probably because olivic trusted her oh, big mistake another quick scene change kian leaps from a cloud ship into the sea outside Gien. Yeah, so for me that was Kian and Liko both jumping off and then Liko saying he thinks that they should split up so Kian should go to the offices while Liko goes and causes chaos. Kian would rather stick together but they they end up going with Liko's plan of splitting up. The uh, re-education camp is huge and there are piles of corpses. This is very kind of on the nose for anyone who considers all the prison you know well it's prison camps isn't it death camps basically 
it's pretty gruesome stuff. You also overhear some soldiers talking about a, a disease going through the camps, killing uh, the prisoners, uh, which you might not even have picked up on the first time through. I didn't notice that discussion they were having necessarily, but obviously later on I... I definitely did notice that. Oof. Uh, the Asadi has uh, converted an old keep of the Necromancer King and is using that as headquarters. And uh, there are statues of the Necromancer King around, but all all heads have been severed. The Necromancer King has not been a character in the previous games, has it? He's been mentioned, and he's been mentioned earlier in this game. Yeah, kind of recognize it but but uh, he he it's uh, ancient history by now kian has to sneak through and, and do these kind of sneaky puzzly sections yeah has to steal a spyglass to figure out some low-tech keypad combination yeah for which there can't be that many combinations to, to just guess it anyway brute force it yeah we're, there were only four keys to push and then you have to um do the whole keychain steal a key distract the guard bits as well to get into the office of uh, scientific progress's room in the keep where he believes there will be records of everything going around inside the camp yes which there is and it's terrible you find a head for a statue of depicting the necromancer king and it's our friend roper clax yeah so that's what i thought when I saw the head and I was like, hang on, that's the bloke that we were talking to. And I think that's the point when I realized that the guy that we met, the wizard that they're talking about, and this guy are all the same people. It was either that or that it just that the designers of the game weren't very imaginative in their <laughs> facial designs. No, this guy has been around for a long time. He's always sucked in many ways, but uh, he's certainly fallen from his previous heights. That's why I originally didn't quite realize that they were all the same person because we're hearing about this really powerful wizard who, who, you know, nearly really messed things up. This necromancer king who is obviously something very important. But my only interaction with him is this terrible sideshow puppet show. And I couldn't really imagine it was all the same person. Uh, Kian finds skulls and anatomical shots all over the, the Office of Scientific Progress. And some really horrible notes. He finds really horrible notes. He finds... Yarn, so he can tell that whoever decides there can't be all bad because he Kian thinks very highly of knitting. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. The administrator must be a knitter of socks and scarves. This speaks in her favor. I've tinkered with knitting in the past. It's an honorable and gentle trade. Anyone who knits can't be all that bad. Yeah, there's also notes of the Asadi feeding the prisoners Dolmari meat. Yeah, so this this was really dark stuff. So they, they've got people who are dying, and then they're reusing the dead bodies to feed the other prisoners. But then they have this disease, so then they're trying to restrict the spread of the disease so they have a better control. Because it, it turns out they are the ones who have created this plague well they've only they've taken an old plague that killed a it killed a huge number of the dolomari a couple of decades earlier but they have taken it and uh, they are trying to weaponize it but the disease is spreading throughout the camp and uh, the dolomari are building up resistance to it but they are trying to make it more deadly yeah and it's not just aimed at dolomari it's aimed at everything that's magical that's their end goal 
Terrible. Uh, inside the office, you open a hidden door and you find your biggest fan. Oh, this woman. Oh my. I'd always dreamed of meeting you, but in my dreams, I never had to pull a gun. And you weren't wearing clothes. I guess it's true what they say about dreams coming true. Uh, Sister Alessandra is just about to cut up Bip as you find her. Yeah. She pulls a gun, gun at you, but she cannot resist telling you all about the Ministry of Scientific Progress's uh, plan to kill everything magic. She was quite eccentric. That she is. I mean, she she's like typical like uber Bond villain. Like you say, she, she lays everything out on the table. She spends a while talking about all the things they're hoping to achieve, but she does it in a way that she's expecting Kian to go, great job, well done. She's not really appreciating the fact that he's here to stop her. She gets very upset when uh, Kian thinks that uh, what they're doing is very, very bad. She's like, no, 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 it's science. It's okay. It's science. As though that's an excuse for doing terrible things. I suppose it's like the equivalent of in the past it being in the name of religion. Now it's in the name of science. You also learn that the project was set up by the prophet and that the six which control the Asadi are not aware of what they're doing there. Well, they kind of hint that they are semi-aware. They're kind of like, we know stuff is happening. As long as you do what we ask you to do, we don't need to know the details. And they've taken that and just run with it into something that's absolutely horrendous. As Alessandra gets more and more annoyed with you not agreeing with her, uh, you're interrupted either by Liko or by the general. Yeah, so for me, Liko came in and was stabbing guards left and right but then he gets himself um you know right in front of the administrator's gun yeah alessandra points her gun at whoever enters the door and you have to very quickly open a hatch below her feet and drop her into a pile of corpses which is very satisfying Uh, the general shows up shortly thereafter if he wasn't there already and demands to know everything kian has learned and the scene changes to Jakai selling out the resistance for coins oh. and as a bonus finds a blade to his fleshy parts. I saw that one coming. Terrible. The resistance headquarters are raided and most of the rebels are killed. Anna enters the headquarters and finds a few survivors. Who lives are very different depending on your earlier choices. In my case, this time, only Shepard survived. Oh. Both Inu and Liko died. Oh my goodness, that's dark. Yeah, so this this whole sequence was very dark. So starting from the discovery of the terrible things that were going on in the prison camp, all the way through to this massacre of all of the rebels. So for me, Shepard was killed, blind, or Bob who can see, blind Bob was killed. Random rebels were killed. Inu you thought maybe was dead, but then she opened her eyes. And I can't remember what her name is, but the healer lady who we saved in, or who I saved um, from being uh, executed in the first cha- uh, chapter. Second chapter? First chapter. Second second chapter. Second chapter, yeah. She she came over and kind of did some healing magic on Inu. So those two were the ones that survived in mine. Well, she might not pull through. Oh, don't tell me that. That whole that whole sequence with uh, Zoe and the whole sleepover thing made me really <laughs> appreciate her as a character. She's too nice to go. <laughs> She's too nice to die. There's a scene where Sire reports to one of the six of her sec- 
of their success of destroying the resistance. Uh, she also tries to throw Hammy under the bus, the general. Yeah, she says, well, he's not here, so, you know, if he's not here, then is he really with us at all? She's trying to sow the seeds of discontent. The engine is almost complete, and the resistance are more or less crushed. So, at this point, the sisters, what do they think the engine is? Because is, is it separate to the plague, or is it going to be the unleashing of the plague? It's separate to the plague. It's right. a- it's supposed to be a way to see the future and change it. Yeah, and that's the thing that they're using the power of the dreams for. I don't think they know the details. They pro- they are probably being misled. Yeah. Uh, scene changes to Zoe climbing the purple mountains and finding the Ular and their ancient city at the top of the mountains. Yeah, and Crows decided that perching on her head is the best place to be. Well, they did have some misadventures on their way up, which they only briefly talked about. Yeah. Uh, the Ular are afraid of Zoe and hides in giant coconut nests. There is one Ular who does not immediately run away, but you have to approach him slowly. Yeah, I, I tend to run around everywhere, and in this game running doesn't always work sometimes you can run sometimes you can't but when you can then i I was tending to run everywhere and there's a few sneaking sections where that is not good to do and this is an example of it where the uh, ular properly runs away when you run over to him the ular are not very communicative and uh, thus you do not understand each other very well Uh, using body language you describe abnaxus and one of the ular helps you find him Uh, as you meet uh, you can tell that abnaxus is dying yeah he's not doing so hot you learn that crow is important he is the tie between the dragon of spring the dreamer the bloodless king and the girl who walks between worlds yeah abnaxus being just as cryptic in the real world as he is in the dream world. He, he's, he describes it that when he was in the dream world, he was kind of projecting information and it didn't all come through, which I thought would explain why it was so weird and cryptic in the dream. But then all the information he gives now is just as weird and cryptic. You also learn that Saga is April reborn. Have you figured out who these characters are? The Dragon of Spring, the Dreamer, the Bloodless King and the Girl Who Walked Between Worlds are? No, kind of not properly. Uh, Abnaxus takes you to see Lux. You learn that the undreaming is inside the wizard Roper Clax. Yeah, so this this wizard guy has gone from a non-character, to me at least, to being like this uber villain. And I kind of wish that I'd known that when I met him at the puppet show, because it would have been a perfect opportunity to, you know, push him in the river or something. Yeah, he was a really bad guy. He... uh, killed a lot of people turned a bunch of them to stone he captured the wind and just made people suffer just for laughs you wake lux using the soul stone so we has a from the player's perspective one-sided discussion with lux this is like a nintendo 64 character he just grunts but so understands him at first i was thinking that the game had broken and wasn't delivering some information properly but then i realized that we just weren't hearing lux's we weren't hearing what zoe heard we just heard him kind of going oh oh but obviously it was information that she understood so we kind of got half the side of the story most of it was uh, fairly easy to understand but other things were way more cryptic yeah uh, lux fuses with zoe 
and she decides it's time to wake up. Literally. She wakes up, leaving Crow. Crow is pissed. I'm flying back south to find that Kian fellow. I'll be his sidekick. He seems like the sort of guy who appreciates birds. Then Zoe wakes up and finds herself in a hospital bed. And, and this is the point where I went, I knew it. This is what I said the whole time. She's back in her blooming coma hospital room. And all those things that happened, happened in some kind of, I don't know, dream state or other world version of where she is. And all those times people said, you need to wake up. It was literal. This going to be explained what happened, but uh, we'll leave that for the final chapter. I, f- I felt very vindicated in, in my brain workings out when that happened. Although I'm hoping it's... I, I mean, I know it's more dense. Than, it's, it's that kind of typical cop-out thing of, oh, it was a dream the whole time. But it's obviously a lot more complex than it's that. It's not that. But it's obviously a lot more complex than that. This is the end of the of Zoe's arc in this book. Uh, there's an interlude called The Girl Who Walks Between Worlds. Saga is 14, being a horrible teenager. She wants to leave the house yep. alone, but her father forbids it, saying it is too dangerous, reminding Saga that her mother left and couldn't find her way back. Uh, your father gets very tired and uh, decides to take a nap. While he does so, you find three wards, weaken them, and leave the house between worlds yeah so these wards are like um fragments of memories so you like replay the fragments and then have to kind of link objects and memories together to open the wards so it's a kind of a way of uncovering some of their backstory i guess i am not a fan of uh, these two sections with saga but this is one is way better than the previous one with the paintings at least yeah this one at least kind of gives you a bit more of an emotional connection and and, and kind of context to what what their family and relationship is like and who she is although it's still it's still a bit of a pain to kind of figure out what they're getting at i could i still don't know what whether it's how you're supposed to know which of the items link to the ward in question so you've got like um, a handful of items in the room and only three of them one of the wards is tied to the house one of them is tied to her mother and one of them is tied to saga right so you had to find the object that's most linked to that theme, I guess. Okay, well, I guess that makes sense. It was a little bit abstract. If you fail a couple of times, it will tell you directly what you need to do. Yeah, that's basically what I had, just a little bit more extra hand-holding. I couldn't figure out that the rocket was tied to uh, Saga, because that one was very w- vague. Yeah, it, w- it was a little bit too abstract, but... I mean, it it wasn't too, it wasn't super complex, and you couldn't really fail it per se. You just kept trying until it worked. Brute forced it. After Saga leaves, her father wakes up, cannot find her, and is not very happy that both his wife and daughter has left him. He's mortified. I felt really. I feel really. I felt really bad for him. He was so so sad. He's left all alone. So we only have the final episode remaining. The Asadi have more or less won, and. Uh, so we just woke up in a hospital. Yeah, it's all rather dismal. And what I was expecting to happen was that Kian and Zoe would converge at some point, but they've completely crossed paths and then she's gone back out of the world that he's in. So it looks like they're never going to meet, probably, at this point. And I'm, sti- I'm still not exactly clear, even now, what Zoe's goal is, what her, you know 
where she's going with this. Uh, Kian I get because it's all about bringing down the Asadi regime and kind of uncovering their shenanigans. Zoe, eh? Zoe's supposed to save existence. But how? She's done... She's now done the thing that they were kind of expecting her to do, which is to kind of... Lux told her what to do, but you, we, the player does not know. We don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess that's okay, but I was expecting some kind of objective or goal to be more apparent at this point for her. And we've learned that now that Saga is uh, April Ryan reincarnated, and April had a tendency yes. to go around fulfilling prophecies. Although I, th- I think they, the fact that she was April was told in a way that was still a little bit abstract i don't think i quite picked up on it i guess it maybe will be more explicit at some point i will say that this episode um i found it a lot more kind of interesting and engaging than the previous one i'd I'd kind of said in the previous one that it felt like they were a little bit restricted on time or money because we never saw anything new it was just set in you know the places that we'd mostly already seen or or the sewers, which weren't very interesting in that, in that warehouse. This time was mostly new locations. Oh, it was, yeah, it was yeah, quite big, expansive new locations. You know, we had we had the woods, the creepy woods with the Yago. We had the prison camp. We had the Ulars, Cloud City kind of thing. Yeah, and you've been there before in a dream when you first met Abnaxus. Yeah, but it, it did feel like... Yeah, there was a huge amount more kind of to see and do in this one. But then the, the other side of that was there was also quite a lot more new information that kind of was a bit bamboozling. Just just as I'd settled into what was going on, there was this whole the whole wizard stuff, which kind of threw me for a loop a little bit, trying to figure it out. There's only one chapter left, so this will wrap up next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all comes together. Have a nice day, everyone. Thanks. The last few years were rough. Sorry to hear that, Crow. I miss her. A lot. I know you do. You're not the only one. People loved her. I know I'm not a great replacement. You're not bad. I like you. You're a decent number, too.